Hi, I'm Romina. I'm the discussion leader. Hi, I'm Kayla, and I'm the rhetorical analysis. I'm Hannah, and I'm the evidence checker. I'm Levi, and I'm the connector. I'm Leo, and then uh, I'm structure analysis. Okay, so on the book night, we read um, chapters uh, chapter four. So um, I'm going to start off with the summary. Uh, so after the required quarantine and medical inspection, including a dental search for gold crowns, Eli is chosen by a capo to serve in the unit of prisoners whose job entails counting electrical fittings in the civilian warehouse. His father turns out to serve in the same unit. Eli and his father are to be housed in, this, in the musician's block. In this block, the prisoners, Eli, meet Juliet, a Jewish violinist, and his brother, Yussi, and Tibby. Uh, with his brothers, who are Zionists, Eli plans to move to Palestine after war. Over Akiba, drummer, his faith still strong, predicts the deliverance of the camp is imminent. Not long after Eli and his father arrive to Buna, Eli is summoned to the dentist to have his gold uh, ground pulled. He manages to um, plead illness and postpone it, having removed. Uh, so that's pretty much it that I remember it. Um, I want to start off with the questions. So, um, ah. so for our first question, do you think Eli felt pitied when the dentist was condemned by illegally trading gold teeth? I don't think he felt pity because even in the book, I think it said that he didn't feel bad for the dentist um, because he got to keep his gold crown. So I don't think he felt pity. Yeah, I don't think he felt pity either, because going off of what Kayla said, he had, like, a plan for his gold tooth and what he was going to use it for and, like, to be able to buy stuff. So it ends up, well, it doesn't end up benefiting him in the end, but it would have benefited him. I agree. Okay, cool. My second question is, do you think that the Nazis are unfair when it comes to inmate punishments? Uh, for example, um, Hanging them. Oh my gosh, hanging them. <laughs> uh, so, do you guys remember in the book where um, one of the inmates uh, tried to steal soup from uh, one of uh, the SS cops? I think it's totally unfair because, like, the whole thing was unfair and it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But I feel like they take little things into, like, they make it, they blow it up and they make it like even bigger. Someone who stole soup doesn't deserve to be hung. And even like what happened with um, Eli walking in or like catching Idik, I don't know how to say his name. And like that girl, he doesn't, didn't deserve to get whipped and stuff like that. I feel like it's just things like that are taken and blown out of proportion. I agree. I, agree. I think they were. They are the punishments are way too severe for what they do, and they're just trying to survive and eat. They're very hungry, and so I think paying them for trying to eat food is a fair punishment. I agree with Hannah and Levi. Um, I don't think that punishing someone because they stole soup by killing them is the right way to punish someone. You're going to punish them for stealing soup. You could punish them in another way. I agree with all of you. Yeah, I agree. 
because um, most of the punishments they're doing are for, you know, criminals who are murderers, who have killed people, who have, like, stolen stuff. You know, these people are doing, like, the smallest, like, that, uh, things that shouldn't be punishable with, like, that much, like, force. Okay, my third question is, how would you personally react to being starved um, and during air raid, there are two bowls of, of soup in front of you? What, would you risk your life or would you stay put? I would want to, like, risk my life, but then at the end of the day, like, I don't think I would because I just feel like no matter what, I was going to get caught, especially because, like, seeing what happened to him, I don't think it'd be worth it just to be able to eat something. I agree with Hannah. I I would feel like the urge to want to go like eat the soup, especially if you're hungry. But I wouldn't um I wouldn't leave well I wouldn't actually end up doing it because I wouldn't want to be killed for just trying to get soup. Okay, and my last question is um, how did you interpret Eli meeting the kind French girl again in Paris? Did you think it was destined for him to find her all over again? Or do you think it was a, a coincidence that they did? I think it was a coincidence. It was kind of a cool coincidence that they uh, found each other. Um, I honestly haven't thought about it. Like, like I haven't. That's like a really good point to bring up. I feel like maybe it was kind of destined because um, he ended up, like she ended up helping him. So I feel like it was kind of like a way for him to be able to say like, thank you and just be able to see her one last time. All right, that's the end of my part. I'll go next okay. time. Uh, I'm Levi, I'm the connector. I was supposed to identify, you know, different connections in there. And uh, a couple of things I noticed uh, was um, I connected was that when he went to the dentist and was immediately just afraid of what the dentist wanted and going to do with him, um, I think it's pretty like, relatable to a lot of people because going to the dentist is not a very fun experience. Many people do not like it, especially when the dentist um, is, you know, has very yellow and rotten teeth themselves. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a very good thing to go there. Um, also, um, there was a part in the book where when they're assigned to their job, the capo had to give a lengthy lecture on the work that they'll be doing and it's important some of the punishments you would get if you didn't do it. And that was because that there was a meister there. And uh, it kind of reminds me of when I'm in class, when uh, the teacher has being observed by like the principal being evaluated and they uh, change their teaching style and become a much better teacher. So that time. I agree. I feel like all yeah. your, I feel like all your connections are relatable. I like how you connected that to how principal like 
evaluates evaluates the teacher because I think that uh, really goes along well together. Another connection I saw was that um, uh, so the in this chapter they moved to a different camp than Auschwitz, and from I and they were treated a bit better, and this makes sense to me because I've heard in the past that like. You know, Auschwitz is famed for its cruelty and every and the horrific things that did to it. So it makes sense that they'd be better treated after being away from the, fame, the, the camp that was famed for its cruelty. I agree. I've read a lot of books about the Holocaust, and a lot of them hadn't talked about other camps. A lot of them had only really talked about Auschwitz. So I'm kind of, I guess, I don't know what the right word for that is, but... I think it's kind of cool that they're talking about a different camps because I haven't I didn't really know that there were multiple camps. Uh, I agree with you, Hannah. I didn't know either. Um, I think the French girl says she was um, in Ari Aran. Or sorry, it's, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. A R Y A N. Yeah, that's what I had for my part. Yeah. Okay, so I was the um, structural analysis, and my the question was, what purpose does each paragraph fulfill? And I feel like each purpose is to guide the reader to feel the emotions that the author felt during that time. You know, they want the uh, author wants the reader to be put in that moment, you know, to be put in author's shoes, you know, to really feel emotions. And I feel like each paragraph um, uh, guides the reader um, to feel emotion. Um, so my second question was, determine where the introduction ends and where this point is stated. Um, so the thesis statement is often embedded in the introductory paragraph. And uh, I feel the author's thesis statement immediately gave you the main point of the book. Um, as soon as you read that introduction, you knew the book was going to be about the Holocaust and his views on it and how he survived. And uh, the effectiveness of the thesis statement I think the structure of the TC statement is very effective as it immediately gets you thinking and puts uh, emotion into the reader to make you feel what uh, the author felt during that time. And it, uh, as the book goes on and on, it takes you on a story as each paragraph makes you feel a different emotion as you see the different point of views that uh, the author lived in yeah that's it i agree with everything you said and i feel like the book definitely shows us what the author went through and how right from the thesis statement it showed us what the book was going to be about and i think you were correct when you were like saying how um each paragraph walks us through what he went through and how he survived i also agree with what you said because um, I think with the way the author uh, structured the book, 
he like kind of put it in order of the events happening and um yeah so i agree with hannah and leah okay i think you're done right yeah okay um so i was the evidence checker so i said the major kinds of evidence that the author used was ethos pathos and logos and i think he used pathos and ethos the most um and i feel like he did this because the chapter talked a lot about his experiences and his emotions um and when looking up the author and where he was placed it shows that the author and what he wrote was extremely credible he's incre he is credible because he had a first-hand experience to the holocaust what he's writing about is his story and what he went through and he shows us what he was what he got went through and um and he shows us this by using ethos pathos and logos um so my first piece of evidence um i direct quote it so i'll just tell, say the quote i no longer felt anything except the lashes of the whip it was over i had not realized it but i had fainted so that was on page 57 and 58 and then at this point in the book eli had um had just been caught just caught Idic and the girl together and Idic got very frustrated and decided that Eli was going to have to pay for what he saw. This quote shows that they allowed no mercy in the Holocaust and they would torture people from torture people for minor things. This quote from the book represents ethos and pathos. This quote shows Eli's credibility because he talks about um, with great deal detail a horrible experience he went through it also shows his emotions and how he had to silence himself and let them do whatever they wanted to him the next piece of evidence was but we no longer fear death in any event not this particular death so at this point in the book there was a raid and bombs were being dropped and eli is talking about how he and the others no longer fear death this shows ethos because it shows how his ethics have changed before he was terrified of death and now it doesn't phase him this really shows in the holocaust how it changes people and makes you become someone you never thought you would um him explaining why he wasn't afraid of death made makes him reliable because it showed what he really went through and how it changed him as a person and then my last piece of evidence was i heard the pounding of my heart the thousands of people who died daily in auschwitz and Berechnu in the crematoria no longer troubled me but this boy leaning against his gallows upset me deeply the capos forced everyone to look him squarely in the face um a man had just been hung and the whole camp had to watch um this shows pathos because it shows the emotions that everyone felt when they saw the man hung and when they had to go up to him it was heartbreaking and filled them with anger and fear it also shows ethos because the author was able to describe what happened perfectly um which backs up his credibility. This quote also shows how horrible they treated people in the Holocaust and why it affected so many people. So, the author has convinced me that he is completely trustworthy and credible because he has so much detail and emotion in his writing. He used logos, pathos, and ethos to show me what he went through and to show how much it affected and still affects him. When he talks about everything he went through, he describes it in a way that makes you feel something. His words have such a deep meaning and really show his pain, which would be hard to come up with if it wasn't a true story. That is why I trust him and I think he's credible. So what kinds of evidence do you think the author used the most? I actually agreed with your 
um, pass those evidence about the uh, whiplashes, how you can't feel it anymore. And I, part of my assignment, I had to write down a, a piece of evidence for pathos, and I wrote down the same quote. And I thought that it showed pathos because the author is describing how he was um, feeling in that moment and how he was in so much pain he couldn't really feel anything. And I think that was like, that really stood out to me in the text, and that's why I chose that as one of my pathos. Okay. Do, what, do you guys think that he used all the kinds of... Um, What's the word? Um, evidence, or do you think he just really stuck to one? What do you guys think? Um, since I think he moved. Uh, oh, sorry, go, go first, Levi. Yeah, well, uh, I think he stuck mostly to pathos and a little bit ethos and avoided using logos. Um, he used a lot of very emotional language and that was definitely pathos and he didn't use a whole lot of logic he was just like explaining how he felt during the times okay um hannah keel and me i'm gonna have to agree with you guys um i'm gonna go off of three examples that hannah mentioned uh when he said he was paying i wrote this down in the summary i didn't read it out loud because it was a very long summary that i wrote down but um Painfully honest, uh, Eli reveals how much the concentration camp has changed him. He is concerned about his own survival. So I have to agree with you, Hannah, that he uses a lot of ethos and pathos to express feelings and to, yeah. And then also when you said um, when they hanged the man and they all had to watch, I think that's like a very deep moment for him to um, look. So yeah, I agree. Perfect. And then my last thing was, do you guys think that the author is credible? Or do you think he's not credible? Um, I think I... I... <laughs> okay, I'll go. Uh, I think he is because he uh, did experiences personally. So I think he's a credible source for this whole entire book because it's not only from text and facts, it's from himself. I agree with Romina, because I think he explains so many things that happened to him and that he witnessed that it's not really, you can't make any of this stuff up. And so I think it makes him very credible. And most of the things that he talks about are involved in other books, but it just goes into more detail because he was able to actually experience it. Okay, anybody else? Because if not, then I'm done. Okay, Kayla, you can go now. All right, I'll go. So I was the rhetorical analysis, and I had to find two or more examples of bias in the reading. So I said, like the one of the quotes I used was, like the head of the camp, he liked children. Immediately after arrival, he had bread brought for them, some soup and mar margarine. Um, I think this shows bias because the Germans were treating the children better than the adults. It doesn't say exactly why he treats them better, but they. But when they arrive, he um, gives them. He when they arrive, he has food ready for them, and I think that treats them better than the adults because I think they're all equally as hungry. Um, I think another example is to hang a child in front of thousands of onlookers was not a small matter. I think this shows some bias because the Germans didn't have any sympathy towards even the children 
when killing the Jews. The Germans hated the Jews and it didn't matter whether it was a child or an adult. So I think that shows bias because the Germans are being biased towards the Jews. And then I had to find one evidence of pathos, logos, and um, ethos. So like I already said, I found the same kind of evidence for pathos as Hannah did with the whiplashes um, for the logos. I put, I had watched it all happen without moving. I kept silent. I think this shows logos because the author was smart enough to stay silent instead of trying to fight for his father who was getting beat. If he would have um, said something or done anything, he would have been punished or even killed. So I think this shows like a type of logic because instead of speaking up and trying to fight for his father, he kind of just stayed quiet so he wouldn't be punished as well. And he'd also, and that would also make his father pretty upset. Um, and then the last one was ethos. And I think in one of the examples I used was in the warehouse, I often work next to a young French woman. I think this shows ethos because the author is being very descriptive and he knows exactly what is happening and where everything took place. I think this makes him credible because this isn't something that you can really just make up. And even later in the story, he talks about how he saw the woman later on in life. And I don't think he would just make up a story about how he sees this woman in one of like the warehouses and then he meets or like he sees her later on in life. I don't think that's something he would just make up. And then, so a question that I have for you guys is do you, how trustworthy do you think the author is? Um, yeah. I think the author. I just think the author is very trustworthy, as we said with the question of Hannah's. Uh, I'm going to use the same uh, description I did for Hannah's, but it's his it's his witness kind of like he witnessed everything, so he can't really lie about it, and he's not grabbing it from books of history or anything. So yeah, I agree, and I also think that the author is just really trustworthy because I feel like if it was made up or um, he was just writing more of the facts, we wouldn't feel as a much of a connection as we do. But when you're reading what he's saying, it just feels like, I don't know how else to explain it, but when you're reading it, it just, you can kind of feel his pain and emotion in the words. And I feel like if it wasn't true and if it was just the facts, it wouldn't feel the same. So I feel like the way that he uses ethos and pathos and even logos just help us feel that he's more credible. Okay, and the last thing was, did you guys find any other bias in the story that I didn't find, or did you agree with mine? I agree with you, Kayla, when uh, you said that that um, one man was like giving food to children as though um, others weren't hungry as adults. I mean, I think in some way, who would you give food to, children or adults, if you had a choice? Like, she says, children are our future, and if there's children there, their parents are most likely there, and I think parents would like to feed their children over themselves. And I'm not saying that um, they're less important, but overall, I think parents would choose their children themselves. But I still agree with you that that's a form of bias. I agree with you too. And 
I'm not sure if this would be necessarily a bias, but I definitely think when Idik was with that girl and he made everyone go to work and stuff, he kind of put a bias or not necessarily a bias, but chose the importance of that girl and what he was doing with that girl over those people and what they deserve, like they deserved a day off. So I'm not necessarily sure if that is a bias, but I do think that could relate in some way. Does anyone else have anything to say? If not, I'm done. Um, I think we're good. And as discussion later, I think um, we're done. If anyone has a comment, say it now. Okay, and I guess that's the end of that.